Thank you, Nancy and Russell. Be turned to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 will begin in verse 50. Give you a chance to turn. I want to continue our thoughts that we looked at this morning as we looked at the uh, Super Bowl and things coming up. I want to look at this passage of scripture. And uh, it all ties into what we're all looking at as far as the Super Bowl and some of these other big athletic events. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption... And this mortal has put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you that your word is relevant. It's relevant to our lives. It's relevant at all times. We ask that you would show us the things that you want to remind us of tonight and help us to use these in our lives to always make ourselves better and more useful for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I want to zero in on this verse, the last verse that we read, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, the Amplified Bible, which takes the English words that are translated from the Greek and takes the intensity a lot of times lost in the translation, says it this way. Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be firm, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That is, always being superior, excelling, doing more than enough. And what this is telling us, to abound in the work of the Lord means to provide excellence. What? In the work of the Lord. Now, what we may not realize is anytime we have the World Series... Or we have, of course, March Madness, and we have the Super Bowl. What that is, is a celebration of excellence. And I begin to wonder about all this hype about the Super Bowl, and I begin to wonder just the history of the Super Bowl. Now, I'm going to give you the history of the Super Bowl, and some of you are like, so what? But there is a so what here, okay? The NFL was formed in 1920. And for years, there were rival leagues that were always trying to get more fans and the best players. The NFL, 
formed in 1920, fended these off for 40 years. Then an upstart league was formed in 1960, the American Football League. And it provided stiff competition for players and for fans. So much so that the National Football League began talks with them about a merger. Well, the plans were in the works for a big AFL-NFL championship game. 1966, those talks began to, to, to come together. Several people had different names for the games. They were even going to call them the merger game. Well, Lamar Hunt of the American Football League, Kansas City Chiefs, first used the term Super Bowl in an offhand remark and an interview that he was making. And the reason he said Super Bowl is because he had young kids. The year before, a little black bouncy ball, the Super Bowl, was on the market and was one of the most famous and popular toys. I remember that. Russell, you remember the Super Bowl? I remember it. Man, you could throw it down and it would bounce higher than a three-story building. We loved it. That was in the, the days before video games. We all had to have one. Well, he called it the Super Bowl. League owners chose the official game, the AFL-NFL championship game. But in July of 1966, the Kansas City owner quoted, uh, in, in the uh, Kansas City Star quoted Hunt saying, the Super Bowl, this is my term for the game. When he said Super Bowl in that interview, the Kansas City Star started referring to it as Super Bowl. Every sports writer in the country started calling it the Super Bowl. And it stuck. They couldn't call it anything else. The Super Bowl it was. The Green Bay Packers won the first two Super Bowls. Now, it was be beginning to think that the American Football League was not going to even be able to merge with the National Football League because those were NFL teams. However, we had other AFL teams to win, and in 19... 70, the NFL was named as the name of the league, and it was made up of two conferences. The AFC, which the American Football League teams became the conference, and the NFC, which became the other football teams. So now you have the two conferences within the league. Super Bowl V in 1970 was really the time when Super Bowl mania started. And that's the first time they used the Roman numerals. After, since then, they used it every year there except for the 50th. They didn't want to put Super Bowl L, so they put Super Bowl 50. Who's had the most appearances in the Super Bowl? The New England Patriots. Who's had the most wins in the Super Bowl? Pittsburgh Steelers. And then it goes down the list from there. Now, why am I just going through all of this? It's because it's, a, it's interesting history that in our culture, we celebrate excellence in athletics. But as you know, across all cultures throughout all human history, every human culture has celebrated excellence of some form or another. And this is just another 
one of those. Now, in the Bible, it says that we as God's children should continually be excelling in the work of the Lord. Now, we are celebrating tonight excellence in football, the World Series, excellence in baseball. Then you have the basketball tournaments and the championship there. Well, God says excellence is something we need to be looking at. So how do we excel in the work of the Lord? Well, you take a look at perhaps the Super Bowl. I'm going to tell you this. National Football League players, most of them are not your ultimate role models for young people right now. They are lifestyles and so forth. But I will say this. We can take a lesson of what it takes to be excellent in something. Because every player on that field, they may not be excellent role models, but they are excellent in what they're doing on the field. Now, what do we need to do if we're going to excel in the work of the Lord? First of all, it requires an intentional decision that that's what we're going to do. Every player on that field that's playing now, every single player, there was a time at one point in their life they decided, I'm going to play football. I promise you there's not a player there that ended up on the junior high team accidentally. Like, I didn't know. I just went into that door and I'm on the team. Absolutely not. If you're going to show up on the team, it makes a intentional decision because you have to provide some form of ability to be on the team. And you have to decide you're going to do that. If we are going to excel in God's work, we're going to have to decide to do it. Because let me tell you, it won't come naturally. It won't come by accident. It won't happen by chance just because there's nothing else going on in our lives. It requires an intentional point of decision, this is what I'm going to strive to do. It requires deliberate effort. Several things. First of all, to learn the basics. Every player on that field, regardless of how advanced his techniques are, began by learning the basics. That includes learning the rules. If we are going to excel in the work of the Lord, there's a lot of basics here we need to know. Some things about integrity and morality and decency and compassion and prayer. All of those things are the basics. Regardless of what else we're doing in God's work, those things have to be the basics. There is not some, anybody that has such skill level that they can ignore the basics of this in God's work. I don't care how well they can sing, how well they can, they can speak, how well they can do anything else. You ignore the basics in this, and you're not providing excellence in God's work. Then you have to master the basics. And that takes hours and hours of dedicated practice. A lot of hours. And anybody that's been on any athletic team know that practice happens just about every day. Now, you have to be able to devote yourself to master the basics. Thirdly, you need to pursue the advanced techniques after the basics. That involves a willingness to learn. A willingness to learn. Because after I've mastered the basics, I can still learn something. And, and we never get too old to learn something from somebody. Never. And we need to be teachable and we need to be able to for people to show us some things 
and to want to always learn more. Now, when it comes to practice, it says practice makes perfect. Oh, no, no, no. Practice makes permanent. Perfect practice makes perfect. So that's why we need to be teachable and make sure that if there's something that we can learn to do something better or something that we're doing that is not as good, let us be sure and learn that. And through our lives, of course, we need to be sure that we're doing things correctly for God, doing things the best we can do, and be sure we're willing to learn. That requires long-term commitment. There's a little bit difference in the hours of practice every day and the long-term commitment. Let me explain. Tom Brady, playing ball right now, he has had nine Super Bowl appearances. But did you know that he didn't start out that way? When did he start? When he was four years old, he attended the 1981 NFC Championship. And from there, when he was in elementary school, he attended a football camp at the College of San Mateo, an elementary school. He played in high school at a Catholic high school, and then he went on to play for the University of Michigan. Now, elementary football camps, junior high, high school ball, college ball. We're talking about decades, game after game after game after season after season, a long-term commitment. Now, he would have never got to the point of his ninth Super Bowl appearance if he was on again, off again, in again, off again, on the team, sit it out this year. That's, that doesn't happen. If we're going to be excellent in what we do, it takes a long-term commitment. Jared Goff, he's, the, of course, the other quarterback for the L.A. Rams. He went to Marin Catholic High School, and he played for the University of California at Berkeley. The same thing, high school ball, college ball, then eventually pro ball. Both of these guys didn't start out where they are. They started out like everybody else, mastering the basics. They weren't born with this kind of ability. How did they become excellent at what they did? Well, they stuck to it and was going to continue to do it and be teachable and learn and devote the time to do it right. Now, in our effort to provide excellence, we have to look at that football team. Sooner or later, while we're mastering the basics, we need to find out what we can't do well and what we can do well. And that's where we find spiritual gifts, where we find what we can do. Now, I know Tom Brady's a good quarterback. He would not make a decent defensive lineman. Why? He's not big enough. He doesn't have those skills. But we understand, but he's the quarterback. Well, it's not a one-man show. If you don't have your offensive lineman, the quarterback is just a crumpled mess of bones in the middle of the field. You've got to have somebody who can do that. A lot of these guys are as big as refrigerators. They can't run down there and catch the ball. It's, it's their job to get in the way and to block or to tackle. 
You see, we got to find what we can do. And not everybody on the team does the same thing. How do we find out what we can do and what we can't do? Just start doing stuff. Just start doing stuff. When we make ourselves available in the work of the church and start doing things, we find out what we can't do well. We find out what we can do, and that's typically where our passion's going to be. I, I have already found out a lot of things that I can't do worth a flip in the ministry. I know these things. I'm, I accept these things. I try to do better, but what we can do is where God typically is going to lead us, right? So that just takes doing things, and we'll never find out unless we try to do things, and sometimes it involves making some mistakes or making a mess, but we do things. We'll never find out what we can or can't do as long as we're on the bench. So we realize this is what re what's required to provide excellence is to just commit to do and to do for the long run and to find what we can do and then perfect that and always be willing to do better. Now here's the thing about excellence that's celebrated. Today, for the Super Bowl, the whole country is celebrating the excellence of those guys on the field. There are bright lights, there's cameras, there's millions of people watching. It's not going to be that way in the Christian walk. Sometimes some of us are up here in public places, but most people providing excellence for the work of the Lord are behind the scenes. They may be in a Sunday school class or an Awana worker, or uh, has something to do with the facilities, the building uh, committee. It may have to do with a care team. It may have to do with some construction. There's one that I found where I don't need to be. But what I'm saying is, a lot of times, your work is going to be behind the scenes and the spotlights and the cameras and the commentators, and sometimes nobody's going to see it except a very small handful but who is always going to see it? God is. God is. And when we provide excellence, it's always recognized and always rewarded by God. Did you catch what he said in this passage of scripture? Your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now, I like what the Apostle Paul said. And this is just a few pages back in chapter 9. And it's just exactly, exactly what we're talking about. The comparison between what we're doing and those guys on the Super Bowl field. It's a lot of similarities, but there's a big difference. In chapter 9, verse 24, he's talking about athletics. He's talking about the Olympic Games, another celebration of excellence. And he said, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is tempered at all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Now what's at stake here? The Vince Lombardi Trophy. You know, sometime, one day, somewhere, that's going to fade away. But he says, we are striving for excellence for an imperishable crown. That may look like the big game of the day, but it's small potatoes compared to what we're doing for the cause of Christ. Down here in a little place that no TV camera may ever come. But we strive for a imperishable, eternal crown that far outshines 
any glitz and glory. In fact, how are you going to find out who the winner was of the Super Bowl five years ago? Well, you've got to look it up, don't you? Because it's not right on the tip of my tongue. Is it on yours? Absolutely not. What really lasts what we do for the Lord Jesus Christ? So he tells us this. Be immovable, steadfast, always abounding, excelling in what? The work of the Lord. Because God sees it. God will reward it. And we'll win that imperishable crown that lasts forever. Is there anything before we close?